Hey, beautiful human family. Welcome to season two of the Art of Being Human podcast. I'm so glad you're joining me today, and I'm excited that you're participating in the question, what does it mean to be a beneficial human being? I'm your host and fellow human being, Meg Hepner. Now, friends, I have to share some of the great things that are happening right now that are just so exciting, and I honestly hope that you can join me. Now, you may or may not have known this, but every month I host my Soul Sister Women's Circles. These are circles for women who are looking to have powerful and deep connections with other authentic heart-centered women. During these circles, we dive into what does it mean to be a woman in this world and how can we live in an empowered way that shows a true reflection of who we are. We still have a circle happening this month. We just finished one up, but you can join us on May 24th at 9.30 a.m. PST for our Authentic Deep Conversation Circle. This month in that circle, we're talking about authenticity and belonging because sometimes the desire to be authentic and the desire to belong can take us into different directions. And we're also having our wisdom and discernment circle, but that's coming up in June. And this is for those of you who are at a crossroads and need the support of your sisterhood. Sometimes we find ourselves in that place in life where we don't know what to do next. And we just need to be in a non-judgmental supportive place where people will hear us out and tell us what they hear, (laughs) maybe pointing out some things that we hadn't thought of or hadn't seen. So if this is something that would be interesting to you, please join us June 20th. It's in the evening. Also PST um, at what is it? Seven o'clock PST, I think. So join us for that. Now, those two circles are drop-in circles, which is awesome, but there might be some of you listening who go, I would like to go a little bit deeper. And if you're that person, you are welcome to join a long-term Soul Sister Women's Circle. This group is for those of you who want to journey into how you created your identity, how your stories influence you, and what has actually shaped you into the you that you are. Right. If you're interested in diving into what it means to truly love and accept yourself, if you want to dive into how you can walk through this world empowered, making an impact on your family and on your community, then this circle is for you. We cover so much like, of course, self-love and acceptance, how to set boundaries, how to communicate in a way that reflects who you truly are. We dive into the shadow side and we like to wrestle with the monsters we would normally run from. So this group is definitely one for those who are going, yep, I am at that part of my life where I'm ready to do the work. This group requires a three-month commitment, and it allows you to build an incredible community of women who are also doing the same work. Now, if any of these things are interesting to you, please check out the show links or the show notes because the links will be there. Awesome. All right. So here's the interesting thing. There's something that has recently become more and more real and obvious to me. And that is this, the energy that you bring to the different scenarios, circumstances, and experiences that you have in your life is way more important than the actual scenario, circumstance, or experience. And I know most of us would say, well, of course that's true. 
But recently, as I've taken the time to observe my own life a little more deeply and the lives of those around me, I have to say this truth is a lot more difficult to live out. It's easy to say, but it's much harder to live by. And there are two energies or emotions that I've been thinking about recently that are exceptionally unhelpful, and that is the energy of resistance and the energy of disempowerment. Today, we're going to talk about the energy of resistance, and then sometime in season two, I'll release the episode about the energy of disempowerment. So keep your eyes open for that one. But again, you might go, hey, girl, that's obvious. This is not rocket science. When you resist, you make things worse. And when you're disempowered, you can't make the changes you want to make. Again, not rocket science. But recently, I sat with a group of women and a very special quote came up. And the reaction to the quote made me realize how often we can fall into a way of living that is not beneficial to us in a way that is not mostly resistant, but that a huge part of it is just going, no, I don't want this or this or this, right? So the energy and the focus is really on resistance. And here's the quote that came up. It's so simple. All is well, and nothing needs to be fixed. All is well, and nothing needs to be fixed. It is such a simple quote. But the reaction to it was incredible. Some of the women looked confused, like, wait, (laughs) no, that makes no sense. There's always something going on that's not well or not the way I want it. And there's always something that needs fixing. The other reaction that came up for some women was this massive sense of relief. It was like you could almost see the tension just leaving their body. It was like opening up a pop bottle and just letting all the pressure out. And to these women, the quote, if true, sounded like good news. It sounded like almost like the permission they needed to finally relax. But you could also see some doubt there. Almost that like that quote, those nine simple words were too good to be true. And it made me really reflect on how much time and energy we use resisting what is. That the idea that all is well and nothing needs to be fixed would be so foreign to us that our immediate reaction would either be that's wrong or I'm full of doubt. The idea that we could look at our life right now with all of its messiness and chaos, most of us would never say, well, it is well, right? We feel like we need to remove all the realness of life for things to be considered well. And this is so interesting to me because it's it's kind of why we glorify, you know, artists or musicians or actors or, you know, back in the day, we used to glorify politicians or athletes. Um, we really remove the realness from them and we put, we place on them the burden of perfection. And that's what we consider our goal, right? That's what we sort of say, like, then all is well. If I was like that, never realizing, or it's not that we don't realize it, but we don't acknowledge that behind the facade is the exact same messiness that we all have, right? And I know 
I'm sure you've heard about this and it's tiring to hear about, but it's even like the Will Smith slap at the Oscars, right? For so many of us, we had idealized who Will Smith was. Guy had it all together in a beautiful family and, you know, was successful. And then to see a moment of realness, messiness, chaos was shocking to us. And many of us went, you know, that was, that was trauma. Like Amy Schumer said, it was traumatized. I'm like, yeah, it, it does seem like trauma to see that, to observe that because it's traumatic to recognize, oh, there is realness there where I thought there was perfection because I was taking comfort in the perfection that I thought was there. So the truth is we can never remove the realness from our lives. There will always be messiness, chaos, problems, challenges, and yes, even trauma. And you know what? That's okay. In fact, it's more than okay. All of that means all is well. Embracing it means all is well, because that is life. Now, to be very clear, if you have serious struggles in your life, you may be thinking, oh, this is such crap. If you knew what was happening in my life right now, you would never say all is well. And I understand that. Saying all is well doesn't mean that you wouldn't work to improve things, or it doesn't mean that you would stay in an environment that's dangerous to you. It simply means that as you move into a safer space or as you move, into the next phases of your life. You don't have this belief that because there's messiness and because there's all this chaos and and sometimes what we would consider unpleasantness, that that doesn't somehow defile you or break you beyond repair or make you flawed. Instead, that that's what makes you human. And a human being is the most beautiful thing you will ever see. And to embrace your humanness is to say, all is well. Saying all is well is acknowledging that there's nothing that promises me that I'm exempt from suffering and hardship. And that as I process and experience and move through difficult situations, I spend my time in ways that are beneficial to me and to those around me, instead of spending my time resisting what I cannot change. Now, as I talk about this, I have to share, there's a time in my life when I would, when I would not have believed this. And in fact, I would have thought it sounded like a cruel thing to say. Growing up in a dysfunctional home where abuse and addiction were very normal, having my husband suffer from years of intense depression while I raised my children by myself, having one of my sons diagnosed with something I did not understand and I knew could present him with a lifetime of rejection, all of those things did not feel well. During those times, I would have wanted to scream, no, it is not well. It is the farthest from well. But looking back, I also have to realize that my resistance to those things made my suffering much worse. I have to say that in my resistance, I spent my time and energy blaming and shaming, and I lost my resources to process and grow. And I lost my power to create a better reality for myself. It was only when I began to accept things that I regained that power and that ability to create the life I wanted, not to simply fix what was wrong, because there's a big difference there too, isn't there? We can either run around fixing what's wrong, 
or we can get busy creating what we want. Kind of reminds me of a quote that I read in a book and I thought was so lovely. And it goes like this, talking about we have these things in our life that we're resisting and the author calls them demons, right? So here's what he says. You must receive your demons because when you fight them, you empower them. Has no one ever told you this? When you renounce something, you're tied to it. The only way to get out of it is to see through it. Don't renounce it. See through it. Understand its true value and you don't need to renounce it. It will simply drop from your hands. So it makes me ask the question, how can I see through something? What does that mean? How can I bring my attention to something's something's true value? Is seeing something through and seeing something's true value really having the ability to understand what's happening behind the scenes? Because we live in two worlds, don't we? We live in a concrete world that's full of what you see is what you get. It's the world our egos create and live in. But we also live in a spiritual world where things are happening behind the scenes that are much more interesting. In a spiritual world, my random act of kindness is not just a nice thing to do, but rather it's an impact I make on our collective consciousness, which then slowly but surely changes our culture. In the spiritual world, the people I have a hard time with are my teachers, my greatest gifts, because they unearth all my blind spots and my shadow. In the spiritual world, the thing that stands in my way can potentially be there to protect me. And so instead of resenting it, I could see it as a great gift of safety, but only if I have the eyes to see. It also reminds me of a parable written by the author and you know what? He's a lot of things. I think he's a philosopher. I don't think he calls himself a theologian, but he doesn't, I think some of that work. Um, Peter Rollins, he wrote this parable and I found it to be massively impactful in my own life. And it uses some religious languaging, but it's so valuable. So if the religious languaging doesn't suit you, just substitute it for whatever does suit you. It goes like this. It's called salvation for a demon. In the center of a once great city, there stood a magnificent cathedral that was cared for by a kindly old priest who spent his days praying in the vestry and caring for the poor. As a result of the priest's tireless work, the cathedral was known throughout the land as a true sanctuary. The priest welcomed all who came to his door and gave completely without prejudice or restraint. Each stranger was to the priest a neighbor in need and thus the incoming of Christ. His hospitality was famous and his heart was known to be pure. No one could steal from the old man as he considered no possession his own. And while thieves sometimes left the place with items pillaged from the sanctuary, the priest never grew concerned. He had given everything to God and knew that these people needed the items much more than the church did. Early one evening, in the middle of winter, while the priest was praying before the cross, there was a loud and ominous knock at the cathedral door. 
The priest quickly got to his feet and went to the entrance, as he knew it was a terrible night and reasoned that his visitor might be in need of shelter. Upon opening the door, he was surprised to find a terrifying demon towering over him with large dead eyes and rotting flesh. Old man, the demon hissed, I have traveled many miles to seek your shelter. Will you welcome me in? Without hesitation, the priest bid this hideous demon welcome and beckoned him into the church. The evil demon stooped down and stepped across the threshold, spitting venom onto the tiled floor as he went. In full view of the priest, the demon proceeded to tear down the various icons that adorned the walls and ripped the fine linens that hung around the sanctuary while screaming blasphemies and curses. During this time, the priest knelt silently on the floor and continued in his devotions until it was time for him to retire for the night. Old man, cried the demon, where are you going now? I am returning home to rest, for it has been a long day, replied the kindly priest. May I come with you, spat the demon? I too am tired and need a place to lay my head. Why, of course, replied the priest, come and I'll prepare you a meal. On returning to his house, the priest prepared some food while the evil demon mocked the priest and broke the various religious artifacts that adorned his humble dwelling. The demon ate the meal that was provided and afterward turned his attention to the priest. Old man, you have welcomed me first into your church and then into your house. I have one more request for you. Will you now welcome me into your heart? Why, of course, said the priest, what I have is yours and what I am is yours. This heartfelt response brought the demon to a standstill. For by giving everything, the priest had retained the very thing that the demon had sought to take. For the demon was unable to rob him of his kindness, his hospitality, his love and his compassion. And so the great demon left in defeat, never to return. What happened to that demon after the meeting with the elderly priest is anyone's guess. Some say that although he left the place empty-handed, he received more than he could have ever imagined. And the priest, he simply ascended his stairs, got into bed, drifted off to sleep, all all the time wondering what guise his Christ would take next. And to me, that story is so fascinating because the priest didn't resist. And in the resistance, or in the lack of resistance, in the acceptance of what was, he stayed true to himself, continued in his kindness, in his graciousness, and in his goodness. And in the end, he just moved through the experience, processing it and preparing his heart for whatever was next. And the story just, to me, the story touched me. So sweet friends, as you go about your life, I wish for you the ability to see through whatever messiness is in front of you until your eye glimpses its true value. I wish for you the ability to accept what is so that you can come back to how powerful you truly are. And my wish is that you hear truth when you hear, my friend, all is well and nothing needs to be fixed.